see what episode. Oh, this is oh, we didn't even mark the occasion. Is it episode 52? It's episode 50. We've been doing this for two years. Oh, shit. In the most podcaster way, we're just like, yep, it's just another episode. Well, this might come out this... in the afternoon tomorrow. I'm probably not going to do that tonight. That's fine. Put put in because you've got the the Craig or the Alistair backup of us going. Oh, yeah. It's episode 52. Just put that in after the end. Right. <laughs> I'm going to put this whole thing. Yeah. Put this whole deal in. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Tuning in to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at RoomwearePod. You can find the show on Twitter at Gay Space Pod. And with me, as always, is my too cool for school co-host, August. Hello, I am August. I am not, in fact, too cool for anything because I am not, in fact, cool. You can find me on the Twitters at HarpyDora and... Uh, you know me by now, so I'm going to stop talking. Bye. You're not, uh, you, you don't care what other people think of you, August. That's the definition of cool. I do care very deeply about <laughs> how certain people feel about me. I am a weenie, Brian. Like, I, I want my friends to, to love me, and I care about how they feel about me. So, like, that's kind of lame, right? <laughs> According to this show, yes. According to Kevin. <laughs> yes. Oh, let's see. Cartoon news. Cartoon news. Um, oh, that Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show that was on Cartoon Network, not Cartoon Network, on uh, Nickelodeon, is apparently getting a movie on Netflix. Huh. Yeah. Riley says it's good. Um, though, according to the last episode of the podcast minds riley only watches about two-thirds of anything that they watch and get really excited about so i don't know if i can trust riley's opinion about the quality of the show uh i don't know i feel that in my soul like we still haven't finished word of honor in in house of ma um and we haven't finished squid game there's a lot of things that i have enjoyed a lot with anya that we haven't finished so don't know how you do it uh, poorly don't know how you just don't consume every shred of media in the entire world. All the brains same time. bad. Brains yeah. bad. Brain real bad. That's why I need to fill all the empty spaces with it's other too things. Full of, it's too full of gunk. I can't cram anything else into it. See, the thing is, if you put more media in there, it'll squish the gunk out. That's the plan. I wish it worked that way. Um... Let's see, what else do we have going on? Um, 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 the Rise of Gru broke box office records over the 4th of July weekend. Wow. <laughs> the so first, that's a thing. The first Despicable Me was cute. The second mm -hmm. one was kind of cute. 
Everything after that is just like, oh, dear God, why? I don't think I've even watched the first one. I think I watched the second one and I haven't the, watched any more. The first one's really, really charming. Um, I it was it was like a comfort movie for me for a while. It's just very charming. But uh, yeah, it's the the sin of introducing the minions into mass media. <laughs> yeah. Is is pretty pretty grievous. So True. you know, grew brought before the Hague. Jesus, uh, let's see. Um, God. Oh, uh, another another. So I guess content warning for the next. Let's say 10 minutes. Um, another fun uh, thing in cartoon news uh, is the systematic destruction of reproductive rights in the United States of America. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. fun. Um, I also really love that this domino is currently headed towards other dominoes that also deeply affect like the rights of minorities in America. You know, yeah. like... Christo fascism is fun. I love it. It's so good. Um, yeah. Uh, fuck. Uh, fuck the Democrats. Fuck Joe Biden. Uh, you know, some states had trigger laws. Some Democrats ha had trigger like uh, fundraising emails. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's great. I love it. Friends at the Table has done more for reproductive justice than every single Democrat in office. Like, literally. True. Yeah. Like, put doing actual, real, actual work. Um, so, yeah. So, donate to uh, abortion funds. Get out and protest if you can. Uh, give money to people. Um, in particular, also, like, not just abortion funds, but, like, uh, direct action groups are going to need money to get people bailed out. Um, Bail funds, uh, yeah. supply runs for protesters, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I wasn't even told 10 whole minutes. Just so sad. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a combination of just like having vented my spleen elsewhere and just the the utter resignation to the horror. Like not in a not in a accelerationist doom and gloom kind of way, but in a well, this is this this is happening, so now we've just gotta deal with it. So um, probably would have been more fired up. If this was Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you Except watched I any cartoons? <laughs> oh, go on. Sorry, Argus. Oh, I, uh, I was in the car on mm. Wednesday, so that would have been a really fun and terrible audio experience for everybody if we tried to record this on Wednesday. So I don't think it would have been the worst one. Um, <laughs> that yeah. I put out. So that's fair. Um, 
but yeah, I've consumed some cartoons. Oh my god. And by cartoons I mean media. Uh that's not just like uh spooky clickbait videos. Um so I I've actually read like 85% of a book. Okay. Um that uh is very good. It's called Hands of the Emperor by uh Victoria Goddard. Um and uh it is full of yearning um i'm going to go out on a limb and say that the author is probably cishet or you know at the very least yeah cishet um and i'm going to guess that she does not understand that she is writing like this really involved queer love story um <laughs> because she swears that it's platonic but it's like this is this is some very gay yearning, ma'am. Um, I don't think it's queer baiting because, like, the author had no idea right. what she was, how she was coding this relationship. But it's still queer baiting. The the yearning is delicious. It's so good. Um, it's a little rough around the edges uh, because mm -hmm. it's a indie self pub thing, but. Uh, as of 85% in, it's very good. Nice. Um, and uh, Anya and I have also been consuming a, a couple of, quasi a couple of YouTube series of uh, Minecraft Let's Plays uh, that have a gimmick. Uh, it's called Third Life. It's done by a bunch of hermit crafters where they're all in a hardcore server Uh theoretically collaboratively working on things that goes out the window pretty quickly. Uh, but the gimmick is that they all have three lives and the first two lives are, are pretty, you know, pretty standard. But on the third life, uh, your name goes red and you become hostile to the other players uh, and you can attack the other players and kill them. Uh, and it's last man standing, basically. And it starts out pretty, you know, pretty silly bullshit. But then there's just a whole bunch of emergent role play that happens that is absolutely delightful. Um, Mac made me watch it and uh, I got deeply invested. Uh, so now Anya and I are watching a different player's POV than the one we started with. Uh, and it's it's very good. I'm very excited to watch the finale with Anya probably tomorrow. Nice. I yeah. have been hearing about Third Life um, from from me and Mac, or from other people. From other people, tons of other people, in fact. I've been hearing it's, about it on like a number of podcasts I listen to. It's fun, like. The first couple of episodes of uh, In the Little Woods, uh, Martin's POV are are kind of meh bullshit. But by episode five, I was deeply invested, and the the story that you know just kind of like naturally forms uh, around what they're doing is is really delightful. It's very fun, and also you know kind of sad. 
because, you know, only one person can survive at the end. So, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of death involved. Right, right. As is the way. Yeah, but I'm having a good time. Anya's having a good time. Uh, So, you know, that's what matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you been watching any cartoons, Brian? Which I know that you have been since we were talking about consuming all the media to to keep the brain bads from happening. Here's the thing. I don't. I know I've watched a lot of things, but I don't remember what happened in between different like points in time. Um, did did we talk? Did we talk about the end of Obi Wan? Uh, no. All right, Obi Wan ended. I thought the ending was pretty good. I liked the Obi Wan series. It was fine. Seven out of ten, above average. Not great. Um, it's not the main. Pretty solid. Fair. Yeah. Um, is hilarious because I kept thinking, wow, all these lightsabers are real colorful. Like they cast because they, you know, they use real LED sticks now to like get the right light to cast onto people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, in some of the night scenes, I'm like, God damn, Obi-Wan be blue. Uh, and apparently it was a fucking filming mistake, but they couldn't go back and refilm literally everything at night. And so they just had to kind of go with it. Whoops. (laughs) Um, uh, been watching Miss Marvel. I like it quite a bit. I'm a little, I'm like one episode behind, but I'm going to probably watch that tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and get caught up. I like the Miss Marvel. Um, it's very good. Rewatched Doctor Strange over the weekend. Um, Shannon hadn't seen it, so she was watching it and I watched it too. I still like that movie. Um, uh, what is a, um, the, oh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view happened. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that was really, really good. One of the best fucking pay-per-views I've seen in a long ass time, especially considering how cursed that pay-per-view was. I think Mm. it was turned out really good. Um, Oh, and other cartoon news that I forgot. Logan Paul has been signed to a full-time deal with WWE. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He's a wrestler now. Mm. Glad I don't watch WWE. Yeah. I only kind of come back in basically occasionally for pay-per-views. Um, and only really the ones that I care about. Like, I usually watch, like, Survivor Series and the Rumble and WrestleMania. I may not watch SummerSlam this year because I think SummerSlam. When is SummerSlam? Isn't SummerSlam uh, close to uh, Wrestle Queerdom? Yeah. Um. Do, 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 do. Here we go. It will be on July 30th. Oh, I'm not going to be able to watch it anyways. I'm going to be doing Pride. Yeah. Okay. It's Fuck the week that. before. So. Um, but yeah. Oh, and this reminds me, if you're listening to this, uh, Wrestle Queerdom is going to be on pay-per-view 
I think it's like 20 bucks. You should rent it. Please rent this pay-per-view. We believe quite a bit in it. The matches are going to be fucking hot fire. Uh, we, Standing Stones, believe in it so much that we paid a considerable amount of money to the event to put our logo on the mat. <laughs> um, so please support this event. Um, you can find it. It's Russell Queerdom on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be real fun. So, Hell um, yes. Yeah. I'm sure I've watched a billion and a half different things. Um, but I cannot remember any of them. So who cares? Let's go. Woo! All right. This week, we are covering episodes. Um, 136, 137, 138, back to the kindergarten, Sadie Killer and Kevin party. Uh, first up is episode 136, uh, back to the kindergarten, came out uh, November 10th online and came out on TV December 22nd, uh, written by Katie Mitroff and Paul Velico. Stephen, Amethyst, and Peridot try to spruce up the kindergarten. I guess that's fine. Yeah. It's it's OK. Stephen begins his morning routine. Uh, he's in the sink because if you remember, uh, Peridot is sad and in the bathroom because uh, uh, Lapis uh, left and took the house in their breakup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> physically took the house away from Peridot. Um uh, Amethyst comes in and she's like, oh, Stephen, I forgot that you don't have a bathroom. And he's like, of the three things that I have to do in this sink in the kitchen now, this is the one I care the least about you seeing me do. Um, so they go into the bathroom to check on Peridot, who apparently hasn't been out for days. She is lying face down, humped, hunched, not humped over, Jesus, hunched over. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, um... I've obliterated my own thought process with the word humped over. Laying over the tub, listening to sad country music, um, they're trying to basically cheer uh, Peridot up, and Amethyst offers to her, hey, why don't we go to the kindergarten? Now that I finally met the, the Thamethyst, uh, it would be nice to go kind of like re-experience the place now that I know who was there with me. Uh, and they're like, you can come tell us how stupid we are, Peridot. She's like, I do love doing that. Uh, so they get on the train and head out toward the kindergarten. Uh, Peridot is very sad the whole time uh, on the train ride. She's kind of curled up, facing away from the door as Amethyst and Steven kind of watch the countryside pass. They're like, come on, the countryside's really beautiful. And, and Peridot goes like, listen, I had a beautiful piece of countryside. I had a great little home and I had lapis and I had a I, I had my own little place on the planet and I don't have that anymore. So just tell me when we get there. And they're like, OK. Um, so Amethyst kind of starts going through all of the holes, uh, talking about, you know, who was in where uh, Peridot sort of corrects her saying like oh no this one came out of here she had curly hair right and amethyst is like yeah 
And so Peridot talks about how the mineral deposits, she can tell basically by looking at the holes what the mineral deposits are and all that jazz, what the gem who came out of the hole was looking like. Um, and then she's sort of, she begins showing regret about her actions when it came to the Gendron Garden. Like, the way that she viewed it originally was that they were turning formless energy into something useful uh, in the form of gems, but Peridot realizes now that she just sucked the life out of Earth and maybe more planets um, and seemingly feels bad about it and says, like, nothing can grow here anymore. And that's when they discover a flower. There's a fucking flower growing in the kindergarten. Uh, they're like, uh, Peridot's like, I don't understand how this is happening. We need to run more experiments to which Amethyst and Stephen are like, do you want to grow shit in the uh, kindergarten? And they convince Peridot to do so. So they go back to the barn, um, get a whole bunch of equipment bring it out there, till it up, plant a whole fuck ton of sunflowers. Uh, heading, uh, they go home. Uh, Stephen finally has access to his bathroom again. Peridot's depression has been cured. Uh, when he comes out, Peridot and Amethyst are discussing the plants. Um, Peridot saying that they need to go check on them today, see how the roots took hold. Uh, on the train ride back over, Am or Peridot uh, thanks Amethyst and Stephen for helping her, helping her get her mind off of the situation um and they're like yeah it's great the kindergartens never looked better smash cut to the kindergarten everything's fucking dead the sunflowers have turned to goddamn dust i do not understand how this happens um peridot at this kind of has a full fucking breakdown she's like the world is shit uh the planet is going to die. We're all going to die. Nothing is good. We should all we just just put all of existence into a trash can and jump in there fucking with it because we're all useless trash. They're like, well, what about this one flower? And Peridot has the greatest line. This flower is like us. It's too stupid to know when to give up. Um, yeah. And she goes to crush it. Turns out that it's not a flower. It's in fact a gym mutant that eats Peridot immediately. <laughs> Steven and Amethyst fight the gem mutant, eventually uh, form fusing into smoky quartz to take it out. Um, Peridot is freed on the train ride back. They're all kind of laying there listlessly. Um, and it, Peridot sort of goes into her her ideas like. Like, I, you know, once shit's fucked up, it's un, like it's un unfuckable, uh, like it's just going to stay really bad for a long time. And Amethyst is like, well, fuck the kindergarten. Why don't we just grow plants literally anywhere the fuck else? It's going to be easier. You gave it a try. And it didn't work out. But there are other places where we can do shit. Um, everything. They, they convince uh, Peridot to start a new garden. Uh, everybody hugs. Star wipe at the end. Oh, the girl's boy. in a bad way. <laughs> she... She is so, she is so, so, so depressed. <laughs> she has been drinking that depresso espresso. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think that's that sequence with a uh, paradox on the floor and like her just absolutely haggard face. I felt that on a spiritual level, like obviously me and Anya are fine, but mm -hmm. I still, I just, I felt that absolute despair 
on a spiritual level. Like, oh, yeah. good job on you, Crewniverse, for capturing that exact feeling. And doing, like, the extreme model break with Peridot's face to, like, really sell how fuck- fucked up she is about it, too. It's good shit. It's real good it's so shit. Good. It's very, uh, like, it reminds, like, the, the facial expressions remind me a lot of, like, JoJo. But also mm-hmm. some other animes, too. Like, a lot of comedy animes will have that same sort of, exp- like, that same squared-off expression. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's definitely a common anime trope. Uh, and I did, I did notice the, the sad country music playing. Uh, the subtitles did not say sad country music, but, mm-hmm. you know, we all know it was sad country music, so. True. Um. What, what has fully embraced the the like the farmhouse lesbian because now just listens to country music. Mm-hmm. I was I was actually I was going to ask you what your sad breakup music is, but I realized it probably is just sad country music. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you're you know Brian is paradox confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um. You are you are a gremlin. So, uh, I think my breakup m- music had at one point in my life been Linkin Park, so I can't relate. Um, the, I really like the, like, acknowledgement of, like, Peridot coming to a real, like, has, has, like part of Peridot like growing, like wanting to grow things is like a realization that I was doing material harm to this place. And now I'm trying to do like a material good, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was a very good, good little monologue from her about like I and I also think it's good. Like it's it's an interesting way to frame what the gems think about what it is that they do. Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, because like if you're encountering life forms that aren't like you, like what's the. You know, it, it's really easy to be like, yeah, we're turning this into something useful We're we're, you know, most species take some kind of energy, convert it and turn it into, you know, energy to use or, you know, arguably like reproduce and turn into other kids. So it's not that far from what what nature would want you to do, but it is taken to like a zenith, like an unsustainable level. Well, I mean, that's, that's colonialism, baby. It's Um, true. Like not recognizing that things that are different from you are life and have value and turning those things into, you know, what you want without regard for what you're doing to the environment, that kind of thing. Like, you know, that's, that's colonialism. But I do think that Peridot's urge to grow things kind of stems from what she was engineered to do mm-hmm. because she, you know, she tended the kindergartens, which are meant to produce gym life. And recognizing that what she was doing was harmful, she can, you know, kind of uh, uh, sublimate that urge into growing other life in a more sustainable fashion. Like, you know, we had the farm where, you know, things were, you know, crops were growing 
and, you know, things were going really well and, and, you know, it looked very well tended, uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, it makes sense that Peridot wants to be a gardener. Mm -hmm. Like, I have all of these skills, now I want to use them for something that's good. Yeah. Um... And it's interesting because, like, Peridot and Lapis are, like, the two gems. Like, they start a farm when they're the two gems who are, like, like, Lapis terraforms and Peridot, you know, oversees kindergartens. Like, they're the ones who do, you know, of the gems that we've seen, they're the ones who do the most direct harm to planets that they're on. Mm-hmm. It's a really great contrast. Um once again, I mean, you know, if you're this far into the fucking show, you know that we're constantly praising the the show for uh, its good characterization and the, the way that it demonstrates character growth. Uh, so once again, this is just a really top-notch example of that. Right. And also giving, like an example that can get get into your brain as like a kid so you can like when you see real world material versions of this you can you have something to relate it to in your head you're like oh yeah mm -hmm. the bad guys in this show that i watched as a kid they were like this you know what i mean yeah as you're exactly. growing up you can associate all this bad behavior with bad people even through their bullshit mm-hmm God, um, Peridot's, uh, Peridot's little blush when, uh, Amethyst calls her Dot, uh, my, my Amadot heart grew three sizes that day. August um, over here, like, she left you, Peridot! <laughs> yeah. Time for a rebound! <laughs> I mean, I don't... I don't want Amethyst to be a rebound, but we do know that Amethyst is willing to catch somebody on the rebound. It, you know, we have evidence of that with Greg. <laughs> so I wouldn't put it past Amethyst to do this. But and Vidalia. Yeah. Yeah. 100% <laughs> true. Um, so, yeah. Uh but I, I don't want it to be a rebound. I want it to be something more meaningful than that. But, but yeah, the my my Amadot heart is uh, renewed. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that talk about hopelessness, that rant about hopelessness, sure does hit a lot differently today than it probably did. Well, I don't know, because this was, this was, uh, what year was it again? 2016, 2017? 2017, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, coming, coming as I do from a place of privilege as a white person, I think that, you know, the beginnings of the Trump presidency especially were, were kind of a, a big wake-up call for me as far as, like, how tenuous, like, other people's rights were and how uh how fucked shit could potentially get um so you know it's it was almost certainly relevant then uh it's definitely relevant now god it it sucks uh 
that that feeling of doom and gloom is uh sure is a difficult thing uh to deal with uh especially when it seems like nothing you do makes a positive impact and everything uh every the everything just seems like it turns to shit no matter what you do uh boy howdy i also uh conversely to that right before uh all hope is dashed for paradot Mm -hmm. I did like the little like, hey, guys, thank you for like Peridot. Peridot has learned to recognize the actions of others and then give positive feedback back. Yeah. Again, character growth. It's really Mm -hmm. it's really good. Um, Right up until all that character growth is punched in the fucking teeth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. I think it's it's reasonable to see people backsliding. Um, I think we see that in the show quite a bit. Uh, it's not, you know, character growth isn't a straight line. Uh, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back and, you know, having to deal with setbacks and things like that. Like it's a very realistic portrayal of somebody who's, you know, grappling with a big change in their life, uh, you know, trying their best and, you know, getting knocked down, you know, and I mean, I think ultimately the message of the episode is like, sometimes you've just got to move on. <laughs> yeah, you've got to find new greener pastures. You cannot dwell. You cannot dwell in your past forever. If you cannot make positive change there, you must you must move beyond it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. It's it's a really valuable message. Like, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the sunk cost fallacy and, you know, trying to, you know, trying to just pour your energy into something that isn't healthy uh, and and learning how to recognize that and walk away, but also recognize that and recognize that things don't have to be like this. They can be better elsewhere. It's not all doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just good shit. The show, the show is really good at packaging those particular messages in such a way that it's not, it's not super saccharine and, uh, ham fisted, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Like this episode... Like I said, in in the wake of everything that's happened, you know, this episode definitely hit really hard. Um, at least for me. So, um, you know, further proof that just because uh, children's media is meant for children doesn't mean it can't have an effect on a wider audience. So, um, but yeah, I this episode hit really hard, and I I really appreciated it. I don't really have uh, other plot beat notes. It was mostly, most of my notes were just like talking through, or not talking through, but reminders to talk through uh, those particular themes. So it really feels like they're like, all right, we're bringing, I, I feel like the the arc of the thing is like, okay, so act one of this season is get everybody back on board with characters 
and show how status quos change and how people deal with that status quo change. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like as we progress, the status quo change, like setting up basically a major status quo change coming up soon. (laughs) Um, I think that's very interesting. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Moving on to Sadie Killer. Yeah, let's talk about Sadie Killer. Okay. Episode 37, Sadie Killer, came out on December the 29th, uh, written by Lamar Abrams and Jeff Liu. Steven and the cool kids start a band, but they have trouble finding their sound. That is an accurate description of this episode. Um, No cosmic implications in this episode of the show, frankly. Uh, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's there's some serious world shaking event that happens at the end. So, <laughs> uh, Steven enters the big donut, uh, and Sadie looks like hammered shit. <laughs> She's basically yeah. been running the big donut twenty four seven, seven days a week. Um, and Steven has a really long, elaborate order for a billion different fucking kinds of donuts, including a. Dog nut, medium rare. I hate it so much. How does the dog nut get cooked? Like, you can't just put a donut around a dog, a hot dog, and then cook them. The hot dog won't get cooked long enough, or the donut will get cooked too long. And you can't just, like, I I don't, maybe you can put the hot dog in after, but, like, it looks like it's a chocolate-glazed donut like series of four chocolate glazed donuts wrapped around a hot dog and it's terrible you probably cook the hot dog first and then Mm -hmm. put it in the uncooked the uncooked donuts and then cook it again Uh, cook it again how well you fry the donuts right like you 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 put the you put the cooked hot dog in the uncooked donuts yeah, or the partially cooked hot dog. Then how does the frosting get onto the fucking donuts? After everything's cooked, you run it through the the little frosting, uh, the frosting shower. But the the donuts are individually frosted. I've got to look up a picture of the dog nut. Okay. Yeah, let's look up. No, a picture I didn't of mean dog donut, nut. Google. I meant dog nut. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you're right. They are individually frosted. So what yeah. hap- what happens? Yeah. Also, is, is are we supposed in- to read some kind of like subtle implication in here that the hot dog is going through the chocolate frosted donuts? Mm-hmm. So, who who do you think who do you think ordered that? Do you think it was uh I my money is on sour cream? Yeah, that's a sour cream do- hot dog for sure. Yeah, my money is on sour cream. So so the implication here is that sour cream is boning three people. That's probably true. <laughs> He's just like fucked up on Molly with his weird, brave friends. Yeah. That's. Uh... Um, but I also I just don't see how people 
are frankly surprised with the way that Steven Universe ended when at no point Steven Universe did the criminal like the war criminal who invented the dog that is ever shown to be on trial. Yeah. So I think I think Sadie goes in with a paintbrush and paints the frosting on. They don't even make the donuts there. Well, they didn't for a long time. Oh, that's true. Remember that one person was killed as though a nuclear explosion happened. They were yes. burned into the wall. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess the world will never know. Anyway, so. Yeah. Stephen um, orders. Sadie's like, why is this happening? And Stephen's <laughs> like, oh, me and the cool kids were formed a band and we're having trouble finding our sound. Um, Sadie's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Um, later at band practice, we, we get, she's like, I really would like to see you guys, but maybe I can come by after I get off of work. Right. Um, later we see the band sour cream is on percussions and synths. Um, Jenny is on, uh, bass and Buck is on guitar as well as Steven on guitar. Um, they're having a really hard time, like nailing down a sound. Uh, Steven wants to be happy pop music. Uh, sour cream wants it to be like techno. Jenny wants it to be something groovy and Buck wants it to be, I, I guess, political. Um, Buck has also gotten the band at their first gig, even though they have no name, no set list and no songs. Uh, <laughs> um, after kind of like an argument about sound, they're like, maybe we should just call it night tonight. Uh, that's when Sadie arrives and Sadie's like, oh, shoot, I really wish I could have. Um, I really wish I could have seen you guys. Maybe let me know next time you're having practice when I'm not working. Uh, the next day uh, they show up at Sadie's house as she gets off of work. And they're like, yeah, we knew like you seemed excited. So we wanted to uh, basically we brought brand practice to you. Also, I'm I'm like low key like Vidalia's like you can't keep practicing on the fucking driveway. <laughs> Our neighbors already complained so much about sour cream. Oh, my God. Um, so uh, they go down to Sadie's room. Uh, everybody really likes Sadie's room. Uh, it's very big. It's actually a fairly nice room if you think about it. But the uh, Buck sits down on the bed and almost crushes one of Sadie's like old VHS horror movies. Um, in particular, the one that draws Jenny's attention is Lurch. Uh, they begin watching it. And Steven is um, Steven, the big baby that he is, um, is like, hey, guys, maybe we should like uh, try and find our sound and maybe stop watching the scary movie. And Sour Cream's like, I kind of like this. And so he samples a bit of it and then he like puts a beat underneath it. Ginny uh, finds like a good sort of like um, like sort of dub bass line. Uh, Steven doing some like dub guitars over top of it. Uh, and now they're like, oh, we just need some like provocative lyrics and then Sadie kind of starts into it singing uh the song The Working Dead. Um basically about how uh being oh <laughs> being stuck in the capitalist machine will hollow you out and turn you into uh make you dead on the inside. Um everybody's like holy shit that was dope as hell. Uh they're like you should join the band Sadie and Sadie's like I would love to but like I got work the next day. You guys probably need to leave. The next day at the Big Donut, Steven is hitting up Sadie. He's like, Sadie, I need your advice on writing lyrics. I, I don't know how to be scary. Look at me. I'm the platonic <laughs> idea of cuddle. 
Um, and Sadie's like, uh, she basically, she goes on a, a kind of a, a bit of a monologue about how she fucking hates her job, but it's a, it, it's the sort of like crushing familiarity that is hard to let go of because like, at least you like this thing sucks shit, but you know, it sucks shit. You don't know what's coming next. Um, and Steven, like, kind of taking taking this in, he writes some kind of, like, some very generic, like, I hate my job and I'm so fucking sad uh, lyrics. Where Sadie's like, Jesus fucking Christ, do I sound like that? Um, as they're leaving, the, the, we cut to the band getting ready to leave. Um, they're driving along when they have to come to a stop because... I, Buck wrote, I assume, wrote the directions to the the gig down on a postage stamp. Um, the the car stops and then Sadie comes up and she's like, listen, I want to come to the show. I want to sing in the band. I'm going to be able to do all of this stuff. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to take control of my life. I also I quit my fucking job at the goddamn Big Donut. I'm free. I have freed myself. Uh, Star wipe the end. There's no one at the Big Donut anymore. The Big no, Donuts. Man. Big Donuts. Big Dunzo. Uh, soon, soon the Big Donut Donut will have a new uh, shepherd. Soon, exciting. It's a little ways away, but we'll get there. Poor, poor Stephen and his craving for donuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, damn, Sadie hammered shit doesn't begin to cover it. Jesus. Yeah, she looks really. These two episodes really demonstrate how the Crooniverse is very good at making people look very, very, very bad. Uh, that's every criticism of Steven Universe that I've ever heard, August. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I can't believe August has secretly been one of the on-model people this whole time, everybody. I know. <laughs> it's it's shocking. I, I'm actually a stickler for uh, things looking exactly the same all the time, every time, forever. Um, it's It's weird. Uh, that's why I knit my socks two at a time and make sure that I start the yarn in the same place every time and all of my socks look exactly the same. I've never knitted a sock that didn't match its other sock exactly. <laughs> Listen, if you knew me when I did, was in my, my sock knitting phase, you'd understand. <laughs> Um, yeah, this I episode was just, I really, God, this episode, I can't, uh, I'm glad that Sadie Killer and the suspects will soon exist. Um, oh man, I was so stoked when it, it turned out to be a musical episode. Mm-hmm. And the Working um, Dead dope song, great song, actually. Oh yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, this this episode hits really hard, I think, in part because of what a COVID world looks like for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just 
the emphasis on wage slavery and how destructive it is, uh, is just it. They don't pull any punches this episode. I don't think. No. Um, all of the Sadie killer and the suspect songs pretty like Sadie, like they're the most outside of the songs where it's like literally Pearl being like, I'm so gay and sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the most straightforward fuck the world songs <laughs> in the show. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know, Buck Dewey's do do but government uh, felt felt yeah. pretty. That felt pretty uh, on point as well. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. <laughs> Although I I will say from from the title of the episode being Sadie Killer, I thought that this was going to be about uh, somebody seducing Sadie. Uh, since it seemed like it was a play on Lady Killer. But um, I'm very glad to see that uh, that was not the case. Like, I want Sadie to get over Lars, but I didn't want Buck Dewey to somehow seduce her. So. Um, It's also always good to see, like, the cool kids interacting with Steven uh, on a, a friendly interpersonal level. Every time I know I mention it every time it happens, but just uh, it's great to see. Uh, yeah, it's really I, also there's going to be some fun little scenes that you're going to fucking scream that, at the television at when we come back to take a look at Sadie Killer and the suspects. This is not the last Sadie Killer and suspects episode. I'm glad I'm so glad. This uh, um, this fills me with joy. It's nice that uh, it's nice that that Stephen is is finding things that give him joy that are completely unrelated to all of the bullshit that's going on in his oh, life. Stephen doesn't stay in the band. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sadie killing the suspects is the cool kids and Sadie. <laughs> it's not Stephen. <laughs> oh, oh, well. For this, for this one shining he, like, moment, hangs out with the band. I think the thing is, like, he can't consistently be part of the band because he's off doing space shit on a near constant basis now. Mm. Yeah, that'd do it. Yeah, we're gonna see not next time, but the time after that, we're gonna have a, another Sadie Killer in the Suspects episode. Hell yeah. Yeah, um, I also, good on Sadie, I'm so happy for her, I, I wish her the best in ditching her wage slavery, I hope that more people in the world can ditch their wage slavery, uh, unionize, uh, general strike, um, you know, in Minecraft, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Also, I love Buck being like, Jesus, Steven, you just can't help being goddamn adorable, can you? Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Steven is Steven is definitely not a bad boy. Can't um, do it. He can't do it. 
it's it's the polar opposite of who Steven is. Well, actually, you know what? No, we know that Steven has that within him. We saw it in season one. We saw how he has the ability to be a bad boy. But it just... Uh, what was the title of the episode? Steve, Steven and the Stevens? Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when he had the time loop band? Yeah, he got... I, mean, uh, I guess if you count being a bad boy as murdering yourself across multiple timelines. Well, I mean, it wasn't the Steven who survives that is the bad boy, mm-hmm. but the other Stevens would not have acted the way that they did if Steven did not have some kernel of that within him because they all started from the same template. Mm, so is this a nature versus nurture Steven is a good boy? I, I think this might be. Like, I think that Steven was just raised to be a good boy and not being exposed to multiple copies of himself helped, like nurture that but if steven were to be exposed to more than one copy of himself like the the effect of that this would amplify like, okay. so this is what this is like the audio idea phase so in <laughs> audio when you record with two microphones that are the same too close to each other they cancel out numbers of free frequencies um, on the audio source, making things sound hollow and bringing out a lot of like nasty sounds from the thing. So what you're saying is that like Steven, when presented with other Stevens, becomes out of phase um, and w- only his most negative traits will bubble up to the top. Yes. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah, especially because especially because at that point in in his life, he was he was fairly isolated. He didn't really have all the friends that he had. So mm. he would, you know, when his main quote unquote friends were just other copies of himself, it, it made sense that he would be out of phase. But now that he's amongst like a wide variety of people, all of whom like bring out the good in him like it makes sense that he can't be a bad boy right but yeah he does have the ability just not now anyway sadie with the eye makeup was was really good with Mm -hmm. the, the eye makeup and the bad girl outfit like good shit good shit Yeah, um, very, very good shit. Everybody's getting new character designs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already... <laughs> huh? Oh, I said speaking of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, other than just... being amazed at how hard hitting uh, this episode was with regards to capitalism. I don't really have that many other notes uh, for Sadie killer. So if you're good to move on, I'm good to move on to talk about one of the other drastic character design changes. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to episode 30, 138 Kevin party. This one was written by 
Danny Craig and Hillary Florido. Um, Kevin is throwing a party and Steven is invited. Eh. I feel like you could say something different and it would be more interesting. C minus. Yeah. The episode begins a uh, Steven. Oh, go on. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it's not egregious, but it also isn't that great at, at hooking you in. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode begins at Fish Stew Pizza. Uh, Steven is putting up lost posters for Lion because uh, Lion left with his girl. <laughs> um, when your cat chooses your ex over you. <laughs> um, the. But yeah, so he's looking for uh, um, Lion. Uh and uh, while he's doing so, he is accosted by Kevin, who is shown back up. He wants to know what Steven's doing next Saturday. Steven's like, fuck off. Kevin is trying to pick up his flyers. And Kevin is like, I'm throwing a party and all of the cool kids are going to be there. Uh, but one hasn't uh, signed up yet. And Steven is like, are you fucking talking to me? He's like, no, I want Stevani, who's the coolest person I've ever fucking met. And Steven is like, you want, you know what? Fuck you, Kevin. Stevani only exists when when uh, Connie and I are like together and we're not. You know what? Fuck you, Kevin. Fuck off. And Kevin's like, God damn, I can't believe I invited that other kid. And Steven's like, wait, shut the fuck up. Come back here, you piece of shit, Kevin. Um, turns out Connie is going to this party because uh, Kevin had told her that Steven was going to be there. Uh, so Steven. Um, Decides to go to the party. He shows up. We fast forward to Saturday night where we're at the party. Uh, Steven shows up and Kevin's like, God, Jesus Christ, you're so fucking lame looking. Christ, I hate you. What the fuck? Um, uh, he states that uh, he wants that he wants Stevani here. He doesn't really give a shit about Ke or the Steven being here that, you know, it's all about Stevani. Um, Steven notices um, Lion over on the edge of the party, and he's like, has Lion been here the whole time? And Kevin's like, no, I'm allergic to dogs. <laughs> um, Lion steps out of the way to reveal Connie with a new haircut uh, talking to some people. And Steven's like, oh, my fucking God. And he starts having like a fucking time here, right? Um, and Kevin's like, what the fuck is this? And Steven talks about how they haven't been talking. And Ke Kevin's like, what, you two broke up? What the fuck? Why didn't you tell me that? Uh, Steven is like, you know what? I need to just go over there and talk to her. Tell her how sorry I am. He starts tearing up and Kevin's like, no, 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 no. You need to fucking calm down. You can't just go over there and tell your ex. Just spill your guts all over your ex. You've got to like look at her. She's having a great time. She's not like she's doing great. And you know what? You're doing great, too, Steven. You've got a new best friend. That best friend, it's Kevin. Uh, let's get you dressed. Um, let's get you dressed better. So he steals a shirt from somebody or steals a jacket from somebody, throws the scarf on Kevin or, or on Steven um, and is like, listen, we've got to play like we're too fucking cool. We don't really give a shit that Connie's here. Right. Um, so we get a montage of Steven trying to act cool, basically imitating Kevin. Um uh, then after a while, Kevin finally suggests to Steven that he needs to go talk to her briefly, let her know that he's been uh, doing great without her. Um, the two exchange a lot of small, awkward words. Um, 
Steven's like kind of parroting what's going on with Kevin or what Kevin told him to do, but not really. Um, he scurries back to Kevin being like, it went fucking terribly. Connie then comes over angry and she demands an explanation for Steven. She's like, uh, she goes on to say that uh, she came to the party hoping that she could finally talk to him, work out their problems, but he completely ignored her and is now hanging out, I guess, with her, his new best friend, Kevin. Uh, so you know what? I'm glad that you're doing fine. I'm out of here. And Steven's like, no, Kevin's not my best friend. You're my best friend. And <laughs> Kevin is like, wait, what? <laughs> this whole time? Um uh, Steven rushes over and gets the lowdown from Connie. Basically, like when Steven texted Connie, Connie wanted to text him back like, I don't want to talk to you right now, but that would be talking to him. She didn't really know what to say. She's like, no, I need to talk to him. If we're going to talk, we need to do it in person. But when she went over to his house, they had already gone on vacation, basically causing this whole feedback loop. Steven immediately apologizes and he realizes that what he's done wrong, that when he surrendered himself from Homeworld, he did it because he could not the idea of Connie being taken away in that spaceship, but realizes now that's exactly what he did to Connie. Um, the two joke, they make up, they have a they have a bit of a hug and Kevin's like, fuck, yeah, Stefani's coming out. He's like, listen up, all you fucking goddamn pieces of shit losers. I hate all of you. I hate your fucking guts. Uh, <laughs> And Stefani is here and they're going to make us so much fucking cooler by their mere presence. And then Steven and Connie are like, we're going home. Fuck off. Um, then they warp out of the party. It's Kevin's a piece of shit. Star wipe the end. Oh, boy. We get Kevin backstory in this episode. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, Kevin is still a douchebag, but at least now we have some uh, concept of like who he is as a person beyond just his douchebaggery. Mm -hmm. um, I do like that they leave him a piece of shit at the end of the episode, even though they gave him uh, a. Uh, a uh, like tragic backstory or fucking whatever. Yeah. That was good. Um. Oh, so I need to look something up. Yeah. No worries. So I love. This is like. I love this episode in the sense that like. 100 percent, this is like the like I always feel like when I see things like this in media, like part of me is like no one fucking acts like this. Right. But the thing is. You do kind of act like this around your ex. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when you didn't have a good like the thing here is Stephen and Connie had like a, a fight and they just haven't been talking. They're not like actually broken up. Um, mm -hmm. They just don't know how to talk to each other because they're both like four fucking teen years old. Who gives a shit? Right. Um, but for shitty adults like us, you do this. You do this sort of thing. You're like, I want my ex to know that I'm doing great. Uh, sometimes you just want to be real fucking petty. You just really, really want to be petty. <laughs> but yeah. that's not a great. The, the problem is when that becomes the de like for a lot of people, that becomes the default on how you have to treat your ex. Right. And it really shouldn't. Uh, it depends on what the relationship is like and everything like that. But even when it's not 
Like, there's no reason to go seek them out to, like, show off how good you're doing because it never works. It only ever just makes you feel worse. Um, yeah. The and, and you can have good relationships with the people you were previously in a relationship with um, once you get past some awkwardness. But I'm glad that the power. I do. I, I am glad that the power couple is back together at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I I do hope that there's like it doesn't go back to the status quo. Um, like I feel like with the changed character design, I feel like that indicates that it should not be the status quo. But I am glad that they're they're back to talking to each other again. Um, the Things happen in the next three sets of episodes that really start the ball rolling. And then I'm not going to lie, like the. The real resolution to this comes in Steven Universe future, not the rest of this season. Mm. Also, there's not a lot of episodes even left in the rest of this season. Yeah, that's fair. So we do unfortunately kind of just go back to status quo with Steven and Connie right now. These all work themselves out when Steven uh, has to deal with all of his mental illness in Steven Universe future. So <laughs> that Fair. becomes, oh boy. <laughs> so. Um, so I'm I'm very interested in the fact that it's a 301 number um, that. So. Oh, you were looking um, at the area code. Yes. So 301 area code re refers to Western Maryland. Um, not typically coastal Maryland. There's just a little tiny bit of the 301 area code that has access to the bay. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can guess that Beach City does not have access to the ocean proper. Um, assuming that the area code maps cleanly from real life into Steven Universe. But we know that Beach City does. That's the ocean. We've seen it. Maybe area codes are different. See, the thing is, we don't have a really good picture of what the United States looks like in the world of Steven Universe. That's true. Um, Maryland could just be missing that that other sticky outy part. It's true. It could have just gotten broken off into the ocean at some point. Yeah. Sunk like Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Or the center part of Russia. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I saw that and was like, hmm, interesting, uh, and jotted it down to uh, take a look at on air. Um, I do think that um, it's interesting to me that they chose to give Kevin a Blackberry because in 2017 or <laughs> 2016, you know, whenever this episode was being produced, Blackberry was already just having its, its death rattles. Right. So it's like the, I bet you literally every child who has watched Steven universe and seen this scene has no idea what Kevin's phone is. Yeah, like and I'm just like would have literally no idea what Kevin's phone is. Yeah, and I don't I I haven't been able to suss out what I think they're trying to say about Kevin by giving him 
this particular device? Like, is this because he's like a bougie hipster who wants to like be like, I have this phone that was so expensive 10 years ago and it's a classic and it's so cool because it's a classic or are we meant to believe that Kevin is absolutely out of touch with technology and like unable to discern the fact that, you know, blackberries are a dying breed or alternately they're dinosaurs. Alternately. Well, I mean, Blackberry was still producing new devices at that time. If I'm recalling. Yeah, but they didn't look like that. No, they didn't. Uh, Which is why I'm like, is this supposed to be like a classic device or alternately, are we to believe that Blackberry is still a major player in the cellular market in the Steven universe universe? Admittedly, like, I don't think that they actually like the Crewniverse gave any actual thought to to that. Um, And as far as like, what does what does the cellular device landscape look like uh, in a world that was invaded by gems? Um, I don't think they actually gave a shit, but it's just such a like Steven makes a big deal out of like not knowing how to use it. So it's like, it feels like they're trying to, to at least establish some sort of aspect of Kevin using this as shorthand. And I can't figure out what, and it's driving me bonkers. They're making fun of the Blackberry deck. No, it doesn't have a roller ball. So I'm looking at all of the Blackberries from around the period of time. Mm-hmm but none of them had the classic rollerball. I mean, yeah. Blackberry had gotten rid of the classic rollerball by well into their development too. So yeah, they just, uh, they, they were difficult to, uh, manufacture and they, they didn't last very long. Yeah. Like, like Blackberry moved to touchscreens pretty when capacitive touchscreens became cheap and easy to get Blackberry moved to them pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but just kept like a navigation like D pad basically in the physical keyboard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, this is an incredibly silly thing to get stuck on. Um, but especially just given my particular personal background with cellular, uh, and mobile devices, Mm -hmm. it, it just struck me. Uh, as being very peculiar and Steven universe is not the sort of show that wastes time on something like that. It's meant to tell us something about Kevin and I just, I don't get it. I think it's that Kevin is out of touch. Like for, I think it's part of the, like Kevin doesn't know anything about the actual world. Like it's the mm-hmm. same that Kevin doesn't know how to talk to people. Like, doesn't know how to deal with people. He doesn't have any real friends. He doesn't have any real connections. And thusly, he also doesn't really know anything about phones, you know? Like, he Mm -hmm. just to help reinforce that Kevin is disconnected. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, that that feels pretty reasonable. And now that we've spent, like... 15 minutes litigating the importance of a Blackberry with a roller ball. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. Um, I mean, the rest of the episode is just the make like it, it, it's a great little like slice of life episode. Mm-hmm. Um, shows that Kevin or not Kevin, geez, that Steven and Connie are growing up that they're th- this I feel like is 100 percent their relationship moving from friends to like actually like them realizing that they have romantic feelings for each other beyond just mm-hmm. like crushing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Like, um, Connie explaining not like the the Connie explanation of like not knowing how to text him back, like uh, Stephen having all the like like Kevin just assuming that they were dating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this is them moving into the into the romantic, like or taking the steps toward the romantic. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I do. I do like how the show very clearly uh, takes a stance on the the stupid, childish whole uh, acting like you don't care uh, and how that's, you know, wrongheaded. Yeah, um, they, they just prove that that's stupid and dumb to begin with. Yeah. But again, not in not in an entirely ham fisted way. Um, I mean, I would say that it's a little ham fisted this particular episode. I think that this episode was setting out to, you know, get Connie and Steven talking again, and that's what it did. Um, I like I said, I. I don't feel like it should return to the status quo. I feel like, you know, knowing that, you know, some of Steven reckons with some of this in Steven Universe future helps some, but it did seem like it was a little rushed. Um, yeah. Uh, and We're a little. Gonna, things are going to feel more. Ru- I'm not going to lie to you, August. Things are going to feel way more rushed the closer we get to the end of this season. I mean, that's. Fair, but the, the unfortunate. Is, yeah, the candle is burning out at this point. <laughs> or at least yeah. they think the candle is burning out at this point. Yeah. Fair, fair, but unfortunate. And mm-hmm. like. That's. I know this is the last season. I know that they're doing their best to cram everything they can into it. Um, that doesn't mean that it's free from from being critiqued for. Yeah. I do how they choose to handle things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think that they probably wouldn't have had an entire five episode arc where Steve and Connie don't talk if they had realized like, oh, shit. (laughs) You know, we're going to. Yeah, we probably could have wrapped this up a little quicker. Um, But, you know, that is not how the that is not the speed at which animation moves. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. I believe we have some questions from folks. You yes. can ask questions to us on our Discord. Uh, the link is in the description below. We've got a great Discord. You should come hang. Come hang. Uh, or or you can message the the Twitter, the Twitter. account, Gay, yeah, Space yeah, Gay Space Pod. We will like we may not tweet, but we do get notifications for the messages and we will talk to you. So, you know, add us, message us directly. Um, do whatever you want to. Yeah, I get notifications on my phone. 
Mm-hmm. Do it, coward. Yeah. Um, um, don't be a loser like it. The people, all of the soulless pieces of shit at Kevin's party, ask us questions. <laughs> yeah, or just just tell mm-hmm. us something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Izzy. Um, so Izzy says it for Sadie Killer. So when this episode came out, it struck me how similar Sadie looked to Sherry from Studio Killers. What do you think? Is Sadie? Uh, also, Sadie's trans and living her best life, and I love her. Um, I looked up Studio Killers in maybe, but I don't know. I don't know the property enough to be like, yep, that's the thing. I mean, I can see it with like the makeup, but mm-hmm. like the whole vibe is really off. Um, I feel like. Uh, and I don't feel like there's any real like through through line with the music either. So I don't know. I think Sadie, like Sadie Killer and the Suspects just reminds me of like this is just some like horror punk Danzig bullshit. Yeah. Um, as a person who has listened to a lot of horror punk, listened to a lot of Danzig in high school, listened to a lot of Nick Cave in high school. Lots of bands similar to that. Like, that's really the vibe that I get. Now, given I'm just not terribly familiar with. Uh, Cherry, uh, like the from Studio Killers, I don't know what it is. Um, don't have much of a uh, knowledge of it. It does like I do see the similarities in the character designs for sure. But yeah, I mean, that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's. I don't I'm not super up on like studio killers lore. The only things I really know about Cherry are that uh, she's like effectively the front man, quote unquote, mm-hmm. for the band. Uh, and uh, she's also gay, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. Could be Sadie. Could be. But um, um, Sadie- I don't. But Sadie Trans living her best life, that does explain the like T like a T for T attraction with Lars. Yeah, that that explains a lot. Yeah. Uh so yeah, and then uh Sean LB. Oh, oh wait, no, Izzy had, had another one more comment. Uh yes. Boo Kevin. Yes. No, it's not Boo Kevin, it's Boo Kevin. <laughs> Which, yes, absolutely. Again, I only know one good Kevin in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> it is the same Kevin that I know. Uh, Kevin is very good. And he's as good as every other Kevin is bad, though, so. Yes. <laughs> he made me a little whale shark, a little Amagurumi whale shark. It's adorable. It sits mm-hmm. on my desk. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, Sean, uh, said for return to the kindergarten, uh, what do you think they take from the kindergartens to make gyms? And do you think there could be a way to revitalize them? I, so I think the, like, the, I think they legitimately just take like, like, I think it's like an energy since they're beings that are like, like primarily energy beings focused through a gym, right? 
I think it's legitimately energy. I honestly, I think if you just dismantled all of the machinery, because like the kindergarten isn't just the injectors. We know that for sure. Like there's a whole compound underneath it. I think if you like removed all of the shit and then like, I don't know, uh, like revitalize the soil and stuff like that, I think you could probably do it. But yeah, I think I think that there's definitely some aspect to, you know, stripping it of some sort of some sort of vital force, but also consider that they are creating uh, you know, they're they're probably uh sapping a lot of a a lot yeah. of uh elements from the soil. Mm-hmm. Um I think that you could revitalize the kindergarten by bringing in a bunch of outside stuff to do it. But Mm -hmm. I don't personally know that there's a way to just like, like, you know, they were just like tilling the soil that was already there. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, because I imagine Peridot knows to like fertilize. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. She's not new to this. Um, that's why I think like you got to get rid of all the machinery. Yeah, because I think it's still sense. actively doing something. I mean, we know yeah. it's actively doing something because that's where the 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 cluster was created from. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you went to one of the other kindergartens if you could do it. Yeah, like if you went to the beta kindergarten if you could grow things there. Though the beta kindergarten looks to be literally in a desert. <laughs> I mean, things can grow in the desert, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, I like it looks like it's less of like it looks like it's carved out of like fucking limestone. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Um, Sean also said uh, for Sadie Killer, uh, Sadie invents a new very niche minimum wage horror angst music genre instead of getting therapy. And you know what? She's valid. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper than therapy. Uh, Big Donut mm-hmm. obviously doesn't have a very good uh, a very good benefits package. Um, you know, she she's just doing the best she can, and sometimes that involves inventing a niche music genre. Um, I feel vaguely like Brian might agree. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say she invents a new. Uh, well, I guess horror angst. Yeah. Um, being mad about your shitty minimum wage job is like a quintessential section of punk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, bands are nice. I miss being in bands. That's why I do so much podcasting now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The old version of, uh, hey, let's let's make a band. And yeah, I mean, I did do the millennial. I was the millennial who started a band and I just... That didn't work out, so now I'm doing this. I mean, it's working pretty well, I feel like. Yeah. Um, And then Sean also says, uh, Kevin has a natural immunity to character development. Uh, And once again, uh, an older teen teaches Steven to hide his emotions and push Connie away. It's like, yeah. Like, it's... um, good uh (laughs) kevin is in fact immune to character development i don't think we see i think this is the last time we see kevin so pour one out for kevin 
directly onto his shirt. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's like Stephen having to unlearn what all of the like or not unlearn, but like them really showing that like even people slightly older than Stephen have ingrained a lot of like poor ideas about like relationships in the world um, and everything like that. So I'm about to sneeze. So that's <laughs> why that ended kind of weird. Dare you have bodily functions? I know, right? But we really thank people for commenting. Um, you can do that too. Just follow the link in the doobly doo. Please don't call it a doobly doo. Oh, why not? What are you? What are you? A fucking green brother? Yeah. I'm Brian wow. Greenbaker. I'm the third green brother or fourth. Yeah. I don't remember how many there's supposed to be. I, I don't know how many greens there okay. are. I I only know of the two. I almost said know the two, but it's like, no, I don't know them personally. I I'm mean, the, honestly, I'm the one. I'm the green brother who writes young adult novels about science. <sighs> yeah. I mean, honestly, as far as like cishet white dudes go, I guess the re- green brothers aren't that bad. But yeah, true. Still, mm-hmm. I I never liked the doobly do. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> ah, fuck. Who who took us out last time? I think. Well, I got to talk about stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. So next episode. Oh, I, yeah. 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 So next time we're watching uh, episodes 139, 140, and 141, Lars of the Stars, Jungle Moon, um, and Your Mother and Mine. Everybody, Lars, like, so A, we're going to get to see our boy Lars again, see how he's doing in space. Um, Also, minor spoiler, we get to see a lot of fucking Stevani next time. Yay. Um... And uh, then also, uh, I guess the it's pretty easy to figure out uh, from the description of the episode of Steven takes Garnet to meet some new friends where Garnet gets to meet the off colors. Aww. So we're going to spend some time in space next week. Hell yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, check out all our shit. You know all our shit at this point. Um, I do have an announcement. Oh. Um, so by the time this... Okay, so technically the next episode would go out before one of the things that I'm announcing, mm-hmm. um, but the other one won't. So um, we don't officially have a graphic or notification up on Twitter yet. It'll probably come uh, directly after this episode going out. But uh, Anya, Danielle, Jade, and I are going to be uh, streaming a game of uh, what's the game's name? Empire Apology. It. I mean, it's is that not the name of the game? That is not the name of the game. The, oh. Uh, the name of the game is K La Vida Vale. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's I thought it was named but, that this whole time. <laughs> no. No, but uh, it is a a game about uh, thralls uh, of the same vampire and how they relate to each other and how they relate to their uh, vampire sire. 
Okay, um, nice. Uh, very going to be a good time. Um, and that is going to be happening on the 16th, I believe. We just nailed it down. So, um, yeah, it's going to be happening on the 16th at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern on uh, twitch.tv slash standing stones prod. Um, and uh, on the 23rd, uh, Follow the Leader is having its fourth anniversary. Uh, and we are going to be streaming a game of The Quiet Year uh, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, also on twitch.tv slash standing stones prod. Uh, come join us. Uh, it's a good, it's going to be a good time. We're not really raising funds for anything. These are just kind of funsy streams. We've got, uh, hey, August. Yeah. Uh, we need to finish this up because my power is flickering from, and I just thundered so loud yeah. it picked up on my microphone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody, but the it's God fine. wants us to end this podcast. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Uh, I believe it was, I think it was you last time. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, audience, dearest audience, I implore you to please be like Cookie Cat and stand in full defiance of God. You can't tell me when to end my podcast, Sky Dad. <laughs> Peace. Peace.